Hey there, people. We're back. It's the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. Jay is here. McLean is here. And I am here, Mike. Um, back together again after a few weeks. We weren't together. Um, you can blame me mainly last week for no show. So we apologize um, to our listeners. Jay was, where were you? North Dakota? South Dakota? South Dakota, Rapid City, South Dakota. Yeah, sounds beautiful this time of year. You weren't you weren't up exactly. in Yankton playing the Dakotas tour. Yeah, <laughs> take it back about twenty years. Let's yeah, do it. There you go. Um, Dakota tour was the shit back in the day. That's it. Is there anything to do in South Dakota? Not anything yeah, I want to tell you about on this podcast. Rushmore? <laughs> no, Rushmore is uh, like an hour away, forty minutes away. You go see it. Uh, we did it last year. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know how I was going to feel. I was like, all right, this is cool. Let's do it. Just say you did it. But it's it's pretty crazy. Okay. But, um, right. Yeah, it's cool. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty city too. I mean, it was like eighty-five and sunny, dry, not humid. It's nice. Um. So yeah, you can blame me. I was out of town. Um. I, I don't want to bring the podcast down, but I do want to tell uh, why I was out of town. Um, because so my dad passed away July 2nd, my dad passed away. He was sick. He was dealing with, um, Parkinson's been a rough year and he passed away. So this, uh, last weekend went down to Florida with the family. Uh, we had his funeral and his services, and I'm not saying this to try to get any sympathy or have anyone reach out to me. We're good. My family is strong. If you can tell by me, um, not much affects us. My mother's a badass. She's strong. Um, my, my sister and my brother were very strong family. So I'm not trying to look for people to reach out and check on me and we're good. The reason I bring it up is because if you're listening to this podcast and like it, you have my dad partly to thank one. We've all talked about our relationship with our dads and what that meant to us and why we got into golf. However, my dad also got me into sports radio and I love sports radio. This is what we do. We talk sports. We watch sports. Um, I, I gave a toast when we were at the reception. I said, you know, fortunately, we never had the birds and the bees conversation, my dad and I. We never had massive in-depth father-son conversations. We didn't need to. He he led by example and, and, and showed me how to live. And um, But we talked sports. We talked golf. And so him getting me into sports, into golf, into sports radio, he taught me how to gamble. We used to always read the box scores and the lines and who was favored and who wasn't favored. He wasn't even a big gambler. Uh, he was the one to always, I always pick a 512 upset in March Madness pool. Thanks to my dad says you always got to pick a 512 upset. So I do that every year. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I just want to give a tip of the cap uh, to my father. I miss him. I love him. I think of every day, but because of what he instilled in me and what we shared is part of the reason I love talking sports and talking golf and why I wanted to start this podcast and got you guys to join me along the the way. And so um, dad, I love you. And, uh, this one's for you. So that's it. Cheers. Cheers. Dad. Cheers. Cheers. So, um, again, not to bring awesome anyone down. Awesome. I just wanted to, uh, just, just kind of share that he has, uh, no, influ good. influential in why we're doing this. So yeah, he will, he will yeah. certainly be missed. Uh, yeah. So what are you drinking <laughs> on, on that? Cheers. What were you drinking there? Uh, cheers. I, uh, I went and got a bourbon. I was drinking high noons, but I went and got a bourbon. I thought I saw and you drinking the high noon. <laughs> I thought we were having a switch up for you. So, what kind of uh, bourbon? Did I miss um, that? Uh, no, I'm going with. Um, I was kind of struggling to find something 
that wasn't like a really fancy bottle. I just didn't want to open Humble anything. So I, I, I couldn't find one, it, but I had so much good bourbon. The ones that I had left, I've been, I didn't want to drink them yet. So I was like, let me go with something that's kind of, you know, run of the mill. So I go. got Noah's Mill. Oh, wow. Look at that play on words. Yeah, no, it's it's good. It's solid little bourbon. Nothing yeah. special. Good. McLean, what are you what are you drinking? Something different, right? I'm getting ready to switch back. Oh, oh okay. Whew. Yeah. But I'm I'm currently drinking a high noon. A Corona light is in my immediate future. All right. Love it. Love it. Um I I'm doing something a little different. I got a Topo Chico margarita seltzer thing. Those things are good. They're not too bad. There's some there's something different than anything else. A little I lighter. A little lighter. A little lighter. Um yeah. different different flavor than most of the seltzers and um just thought no bourbon tonight so a little boring a little boring for me so but let's um so what we're going to do folks to all of our listeners because we missed last week and we have a lot of golf to talk about we have a lot of off course stuff to talk about we're going to do two podcasts tonight we're going to do an on course show that we will do now um, part two will come out later this week on the off course news and um live golf pga tour tigers meeting that he had all that kind of stuff will be on part two that we'll put out later this week, but we want to break down the golf that's happened. The playoffs, we've had two events, um, say a little few things by the USAM, give you our picks for this week's tour championship, um, here first. And then again, look forward to a second, uh, episode from us that we will record tonight that we'll get out a little bit later this week. It's kind of our goal here. So I guess we got to start, uh, two weeks ago, our boy, Willie Zalatoris, our ball striker, made a few putts, got his first win yeah. in a playoff over Seb Straka. PJ Tour was very thankful that Zalatoris won that, and Seb Straka didn't win their first playoff event. Who had missed like the previous eight cuts or something in a row. Yeah, that whatever. came out of nowhere. He was the highest over par since uh, the U.S. Open or the Open Championship on the PGA Tour at 39 over coming into that event. So he had literally, I'm sorry, statistically, he had been playing the worst on tour coming into that event. <laughs> That's a hell of a stat. Um, he looked solid as hell until the, I don't know we're going to get into it, but he looked solid yeah. as hell for a long time. He did. I mean, and he had a good, you know, early start of the year. He won where Honda um, at the beginning of the year, but then like McLean stated, has fallen off. But let's, let's give our due to Willie Z. Will Zalatoris gets his first win finally. I want to say long overdue, but the guy's really only been around for a year and a half. He's just been so close so much that uh, we all knew this was going to happen at some point. And so what'd you make of it? He did make some some clutch eight, nine, ten footers um, at the end of regulation, one to get into the playoff and then to win it. So, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I think there was a lot to take away. Obviously, he had a new looper on the bag and – I don't think you can attribute everything to that, but to me, I think a lot of times it can it can somewhat free you up, get you in a different uh, frame of motion of really trying to figure out how how are we going to operate. And you, you take a little bit of focus over what you've really been grinding on week to week. So I think you could contribute some of that to the new new relationship, the new guy on the bag. Uh, but I think at the same time, he he did what we all knew it was inevitable. It was happening sooner or later. I don't, I don't care how bad his stroke looks from five feet, which I can't wait to get into Scott Fawcett's comments. Um, he still makes those putts. 
you know, we talk about the stroke. He doesn't miss that many of them. It looks like shit. Don't get me wrong, but he's got that high MOI putter and the weight of the arm lock. And that is going to make a big difference in weight and speed. And a tip for anyone out there listening, if you are struggling with speed control, get yourself a mallet without question. If you were putting with a blade and struggling with speed control, you don't think about the fact that you could miss hit a putt, but you're not going to get near the amount of uh, speed out of it. So Zalatoris uses that massive, massive mallet that has a very, very much um, a high, MO, high MOI putter. And uh, he makes those putts. So people can talk shit all they want to, but if he's still making them, I don't really care what it looks like. I mean, my God, there's a lot of players whose golf swings don't necessarily look like something you'd want to teach or tell people about, but they score well. And it doesn't necessarily get viewed the same way, but I would, I would uh, argue that there's definitely a correlation between the two. Yeah, I mean, his putting, so it, there's really just one key area that he's bad at. I mean, if you look at him from 15 to 20 feet on the PGA Tour, he's 36th in putting. And we've kind of said that a bunch. He, from that intermediate range, it looks smooth. There's a different putting stroke. From four to eight feet, though, he's 177th in putting. You know, once you he get under that 10 many. feet mark. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't make as many as that. Initially, now he's actually inside of like three feet. He's which, believe it or not, I was actually shocked to see this from inside of three feet. He's made every putt this year. Whoa, no I was way. shocked when I looked that up. Right, wow. I could have swore I, I've sent I you guys videos of him missing from like 18 inches. Maybe it was like three foot one inch or something. Yeah, well, there's a lot of great putters you cannot say that about. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot. And so it, there's that, that area there. And he, you know, again, he gets it in. He does make a, he makes a good stroke from far out. And it's just those little ones that, that hurt him. And, you know, he got it done. We knew he was going to get it done. You're not going to, you know, like we've said on this podcast, if you're that good of a ball striker, you just got to have a half decent week in, in putting and you're, you're going to get over the edge and, um, he definitely had some fire in him. You could tell he wanted that thing fucking bad. And um, what, did, what did he say when he made that putt? What did, he said, "What are they going to say now? What are they going like to say now?" Um, yeah, which I think he said it was what an, an homage to Steph Curry in some form or fashion. Maybe, yeah. I, I don't know well, how exactly, but for his situation though. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, he finished twenty fifth um, that weekend at the FedEx St. Jude in putting. I mean, you add that on top of his ball striking and winner, winner, chicken dinner. I, I really I think the thing that's really held him back more than anything, especially those couple majors that he finished, uh, he lost out on, was not the putter. It was his driver down the stretch. He he hit his driver so poorly. And, and uh, again, this these are the stats that we always talk about. Man, it would be nice to see this clutch stat, but this is kind of that, like, what have you, what's your driving accuracy the last four holes uh, of a tournament like that you're trying to close out? I'd say it's pretty low. He, he typically hits these big block cuts to the right or he tries to overcorrect and will hit a big pull. There's, there's some disconnect with what he's doing. What, well, well, I shouldn't say that. With, with what makes him such a great ball striker doesn't quite translate over into the ball on a peg. <clears throat> yeah. I think you're right. And we've talked about, I think it was the U S open maybe when we last talked about it and he kind of hits those Healy swipey mm-hmm. um, block cuts out there. And so, yeah, I think going back to the caddy thing too, McLean, just like a, it's not a change of change of scenery, but 
you know what I mean? Just changing up the the routine and the conversation and the back and forth over a given shot and almost refreshes him a little bit. It was weird to see him ditch his caddy in the middle of Wyndham. Um, I can't remember if it was after round two or round three. It was in the middle of the tournament. Um, I think it was on the weekend that he ditched his caddy at, at, at Wyndham in the regular season finale, which you don't often see that without some sort of like. No, but there, there had to be more there than probably what we know about. You know, we don't know that there wasn't a clash. Golf is famous for keeping that stuff, you know, behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, which I'm not necessarily saying is a bad thing in in every regard, but we don't know what happened and where that relationship had been. If if he switched in the middle of the tournament, I'd guarantee there's more there than what we know about. But probably um, kudos for them to keeping their uh keeping their shit tight. I mean, it's uh he handled it like a gentleman and a professional is what yeah. it sounds like at this point without yeah. knowing any more facts, but it sounds like it was handled cleanly or we would hear, we, or it was handled clean or yeah. we would hear more about it. Yeah. He said yeah. all the right things in the media and said, Oh yeah, yeah. We're still good friends. And it was just, you know, not going the right direction. And you know, they always use the mutually parted ways thing, which that never happens. Sorry. Someone, never, someone brings never, it up. Yeah. <laughs> never mutual. It's hundred percent. Right. But um, I think, uh, I think he, was absolutely freed up with a new bound relationship or a new yeah. relationship. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what happens long-term. I'm, I should look this up. I'm not sure who he went with as a caddy. Is it a friend? Is it another professional caddy? Is it a equipment guy? Is it a temporary guy for a couple of weeks? Uh, I should have looked that up. Um, suddenly I don't know guy. that. What's that? Suddenly rich guy. Yeah, I know. How about that? First, first full event on the bag and he wins. Good for you him. Know? Good for both of them. Yeah. Good for both of them. It's, um, you know, and you've seen it. I mean, hell, and now this is a different scenario because this guy was a longtime full-time caddy, but, you know, Scotty Scheffler goes to Ted Scott this year and has the best year on tour. You know, we've we've seen it before with other guys. You know, even Rory, you know, he's got his buddy Harry Diamond on the bag, but after he switched to Rory, I mean, after Rory switched to Harry, he went out and he won a few times. He didn't win any majors, but he did win a few times. It's almost like the honeymoon phase. Yeah, you just get through it. Yeah, you just you, like you said earlier. You said refresh. You just kind of shake things up to where it's it. You've gotten in a habit of doing things a certain way. If you're not seeing success, you're like, I just want to see something new, something fresh. Just completely change it up. Yeah. Change because now you start associating those routines with this other caddy, and you you kept seeing yourself fail. Then you they all start to kind of merge together, and you're like, oh god, when we do this, I've I've played like this in the past. So you, it's like kind of cleaning off the scar tissue a little bit and, and starting, starting new. Yep. Yep. Um, so what do you guys make? So of his ex coach going off. So if, if you people have missed this out here, he has uh, an ex course management coach. His name is Scott Fawcett and Scott came up with called the decade system for how you, you know, use statistics and, uh, analysis to kind of plot your way around a golf course and how you should, what clubs you should hit and aim. And I'm really doing a poor job explaining this right now, but I've had the chance to, to listen to Scott speak a couple of times in seminars. I've gone through his module on his website and watch all his videos. And I think the guy is very intelligent. He has a great system and I love a lot of what he says. And some of it's different than what we've heard in the golf industry for a while. He kind of breaks some myths so he, he goes off with, with science though. He backs it with and science and facts. facts. Yeah. Facts. And so he went off on Twitter. He said it was a joke. He had this tirade 
you know, going after Dan Hicks and Brad Faxon about them talking about, you know, Will's putting. And he worked with Will for a long time as a junior and helped him win. I think he even caddied for him when Will won the U.S. Junior Am. And he's been with him for a while, but I guess they haven't worked together for about a year now. And he just went off. He said it was a joke. He, he of course, took a ton of heat for it. From what I've always got from Scott, from just sitting there, listening to him talking in, in a conference room, and I follow him on social media. He's a, he's a very smart guy, but he's an arrogant guy. He, he, likes to, he likes to tell someone when they're wrong and when he's right. He likes to point that out. Uh, I've seen him respond to people on Twitter. Someone will make a comment, and he's like, no, no, that's, that's dead wrong because of X, Y, and Z. And so he, he kind of has that chip on his shoulder kind of nature. Um, but man, he burned some bridges. Like, chill out, dude. Like, what were, what were the comments made? What did he? What What did they he's, say? To he's deleted comment? them. I know. I could probably. I'm sure someone has saved them and, and put them on there. But he was just complaining about how they were talking about how he had a wobbly putting stroke. And I guess Dan Hicks and them, NBC. I missed it. They did some sort of little montage one of the days on his putting stroke. Yeah. Yeah. But I I hate to tell you, Scott, they're not wrong. Like, yeah, they're no. they're bad strokes. People want to see them. They're so bad coming they're after bad strokes. You're coming after Dan Hicks. Yeah, I mean Dan doesn't even know how to handle that because no one's ever come after the guy. I yeah. mean, he, he's about as uniform and as yeah. neutral on anything you could find. Head. I mean, he's he's the backup Jim Nance for God's yeah. sake. You yeah, know what him, I'm saying? Him and so, Nance don't say anything to ruffle feathers. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, how, how is this where you got? I mean, it, it's just somewhat unfounded and i agree with exactly what you said they're not wrong um and what they're doing in the media is reporting what is somewhat newsworthy and something that has definitely been a hot topic with will zalatoris's game and whether or not he's going to be successful doing that he's proven that he can be and i think anyone who's been around the game has had has seen that knew that it was just inevitable before he ended up putting a trophy in his hardware or putting some hardware in his trophy case basically so you know we'll We'll see where it goes from here, but Scott Fawcett, what an idiot. I mean, he had to have been drinking or something. I mean, that, that was just incredibly aggressive. Very for aggressive. Almost, and for almost no reason at all. I mean, it's one thing to bitch there with your buddies watching it, but it was like one of those situations where I guarantee he was watching it by himself, and that was how he was getting his steam off. He had no one else to talk to, so he turns to Twitter and damn near ruins – uh ruins some relationships i mean it surely ruined some relationships but damn near ruined his career yeah zal torch had to come out and like uh apologize apologize and say he doesn't speak for me and you know i i'm sorry if he offended anyone he even said like yeah scott reached out to me but i haven't talked to him like i'm ignoring the guy kind of thing well and think about it who's gonna want to work with the guy now i know that's the thing that's how you handle success yeah how do you handle failure yeah it was uh yeah, he's been trying to make amends on on Twitter, and I know he's even done some like uh, podcast interviews and video. I think he put out his own video on YouTube on his channel. I haven't watched it to try to explain it because even JT like responded to him. And oh, really? Went, and JT went after him. Um, somebody else did in the golf world. Like this is just stupid. And um, but yeah, I was like, come on, Scott. You're going to ruin your own brand, and it's 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 pretty good. More people need to know about you and, and what you talk yeah. about. Um, and he might have just shot himself in the foot for nothing. 
like you said, McLean, for for nothing. Like, just say like, yeah, we he struggles with putting, but we all knew he'd get it done. Like, you don't have to like, or and you can still say, hey, I I, I don't appreciate the comments, blah blah blah. I mean, you can still say take a stance, but just don't don't take it to the derogatory term and the the condescending yeah. tone. Just be like, hey. He works hard. I don't appreciate it. Let's let's focus on the things that he does well. And not just keep picking out the things that look different. You know, uh, that's a yeah. fair comment. Maybe trying to protect your player or pass player. Yeah. Well, and Jay, I can promise you, his phone tried to autocorrect to duck nine times in each one of those statements. <laughs> I mean, nine times. It was it was ducking. A no, not ducking. I saw them all. Yeah, I'm not ducking <laughs> anything. Yeah. <laughs> duck you, duck duck goose, the whole nine. It was all. <laughs> His phone tried to save him nine different times. Yeah, that's right. He, exactly right. It's he, exactly right. He went back. He had so yeah. much ducking time to think about it. He, he was could've... he was trying to tell Dan Hicks to go duck himself. Yeah, he, <laughs> he he literally had to correct it. He was like, "Nope, I'm dead sure this is what I want to say. It's not going to start with the D. It's going to start with an F. Not once, but twice, three, four, five, and so on." <laughs> um, the other the uh, other news. The other news that came out of the the St. Jude was Cam Smith's penalty. So in round three, he hits his ball in the hazard, takes his drop, goes about his business. Well, later that night, one of the PJ rules officials is watching the replay back on the golf channel, just laying in his hotel bed, I think, just hanging out on his couch or wherever. And he notices that when Cam Smith dropped his golf ball, it bounced and was sitting on the red painted line for the penalty area. And so then they, you know, the next day, this is like 10 o'clock at night or something. The next day they, you know, the rules officials get together. They talk to Cam and they assess him a two stroke penalty. Pretty close to when he was getting ready to tee off and Cam didn't really fight it. He said, yeah, that's what I did. And didn't know the rule that you have to take full relief. The ball cannot be sitting on on the red line. It has to be outside of the boundary line. And so he got hit for the two-stroke penalty for an improper drop. I don't like it. I'm all for, I get what they're trying to do with the rules. And they're like, hey, we had the chance to correct this. Let's correct it. And I'm all for getting the, the call right. However, there needs to be a statute of limitations. There needs to be a statute of limitations. Because the other thing that's yeah. not, not fair is if that would have happened in let's say that would have happened in round four and he wins the thing and someone's watching after it's over. They're not, not they're not going back and changing a score and giving the trophy to somebody else and the check to somebody else. So if, if you were able to handle all four rounds the same way, then you might, might be able to convince me otherwise yeah, from an equ- equitable standpoint. Um, but at some point, like in all sports calls get missed. It is what it is. He didn't gain an advantage by doing it um it wasn't malicious intent he just didn't quite know the rule if the ball's two inches the other way he's fine i don't know i think once the day's over done the other thing too is the other thing too is the gambling aspect of it of how that changes lines and payouts and money and if they're going to be in bed with these gambling companies which pretty much every sport is now you better get that right and not affect that kind of stuff no, I, I agree with you. I think there should be uh, one hour after the last putt drops to where they can go back and review any questionable options, whatever it is, or come up with some sort of time 
time frame that's that's not long after gives a chance for the committee to review the last round of the day so it does give them a little bit of time to do so and with the understanding that there could be other stuff that they need to be reviewing up until that point but then you got to cap it you can't have people coming back and reviewing something the next day and that's even later already if you do that that's later than any other professional sport out there yes yep. calls get missed all the time they review all the time and it, it's scrutinized and it's all it, it's all over the place we see that happen all the time but there's no going back and be like up oh, we're changing the outcome of the game or we're changing the point totals or whatever that comes to. If it doesn't get corrected correctly during regulation, you move the fuck on it. I think, unfortunately, there needs to be some aspect of that. I'm okay with a grace period of an hour or two hours after last putt drops to go back and review any events throughout the day and be able to review that last group with enough time to put on potentially. But no, you can't do that when you win the golf tournament. What are you going to do? Delay the trophy presentation? Yeah. I think it has to. I think it drops. It's over. When the last putt drops, it's over every day. Done. Yeah. If you're the last guy, if you're the last guy on the golf course and you putt out and somebody calls in 30 minutes later, hey, sorry, I got away with it. Didn't do it on purpose, but that that happens in NBA and NFL all the time. They fight for getting away with calls. I mean, every offensive lineman holds every single play, every single play they hold. And they, but they, it, they get good at doing it in a way that they don't get caught. But they're always trying to fight to get away with as much as they can. I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. I'm not saying cheat. But well, I'm just, uh, my point is, if if something happens in a given round and your playing partners think it's fine and you think it's fine, there's obviously no malicious intent. Like, d- don't call back and say you, you zoom in on the HD camera and says, "Oh, well, I see that you know one blade of red grass was touching." The ball. Yeah, you know, I mean, this was, was this was pretty obvious. I know, I know it was. I'm just, I'm just yeah. being hypothetical because that happens all the time, where these super, they, they start zooming in, and I'm like, wait a second, like, why all of a sudden is this a part of what we do when this never was was a thing before because we didn't have TV cameras. Yeah, you know, I know that's something we've been fighting for the last 20, 25 years with the slow mo and the you know, playback and stuff. But well, and I, I think I think if you add in a one one clause of malicious intent and extent of what what could be found after the fact would be the only time you could possibly go back. And I'm not saying you reverse the money or the results or anything like that. You pay out, but you're going to fucking go ahead and publicize that shit. Go ahead and get it out there. And that's how that player, that player pays, you know, they affect their reputation and their brand. I don't think that's something that, whatever, maybe you never even come to light. I don't think we'll see anything egregious unless Patrick Reed gets back on the PGA tour, <laughs> but that would be the only time where you, you basically just have to publicly shame that player and let, let the public know yeah. what happened. And that's how you deter from it happening again. But it's just that one, that one thing that's in place that tries to prevent it. That doesn't, because the last thing we want is to all of a sudden have everyone out there turning into baseball, which I love baseball. But in baseball, cheating is damn near acceptable. If you're not trying to cheat a little bit, you're not trying. You know, yeah. from stealing signs to, you know, putting shit on your fingers with, with the pitcher. I mean, there's so many little things that are done in baseball. And it's just kind of a part of the game, whether or not you get caught to a thing of it. I don't yeah. necessarily want to see it turn into that and it become the Wild West. But no, I do yeah. think I, I do think it when that putt drops, it has to be finalized and it's over. Yeah, and draw then, the line. Like I said, public shame is the only way to deal with it after the fact. And I and we've we've kind of argued about some of the rules, you know, over the you know eighty episodes that we've done here on, on various occasions. And I, I 
I get what the USGA, and I've said this before, the USGA and the RNA are making these rules to try to eliminate gray area and eliminate judgment. Like, like you said, Jay, you could essentially call holding on every, on every play. You could essentially call a foul on every trip down the floor in the NBA. And, and there is judgment on what's excessive or what has gone too far or what's in the best interest of the game. And, and the other sports kind of have that ebb and flow, give and take in the Golf, I'm not saying the PGA Tour because they don't make the rules, but the USGA and the RNA are trying to eliminate those judgment things. But I get that even for like what I do when I run a, a tournament because I don't have cameras everywhere. You can, yeah. for the most part, you can generally, most of the time you can tell intent if someone's trying to break the rule or cheat. I mean, because the PGA Tour has cameras everywhere and every shot is recorded, you can yeah. tell if someone's purposely trying to break the rules to gain an advantage. Um, yeah. and in this case it was not, it's just like, okay, sorry. Yeah. We missed it. His golf ball should have been two inches over the other way and yeah. didn't gain an advantage, but we missed it. Sorry. We've talked to the player about the rule. He now knows it, you know, and that's it done done. I've seen I, I, watching these guys drop. I mean, I watched Tony Finau drop last weekend, not this past weekend, the weekend before. I mean, he was a good six inches below his knee. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I mean, you see it on TV. I mean, somebody could have easily called in and be like, hey, Tony, that was an illegal drop. You dropped it six inches below your knee. It, there's, a, I don't care how black and white you make a rule book. There's always going to be some gray area that is going to have to be on an, an on-call decision. Someone's going to make a judgment. Somebody's going to have to make a judgment call. It's just there's two – it's not perfect, we, especially with golf. There's no exact parameters here. There's very few. I mean, the size of the cup, uh, that's about it, you know. Tee boxes are different. Greens are different. Fairways are different. I mean, the only thing that we have are equipment and and the cup. Those are the only things that are somewhat consistent. So there's just so many different ways that all these rulings can go. You have to have somebody there that can, that can if they're there on site and they can make a judgment call, great. If not, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anything else on the St. Jude, the FedEx St. Jude Championship, Zell Taurus and all that? But um it was exciting there when he, I, I thought it was over when he hit the ball in the water and then Straka decided to do the same thing. Uh, that, that was incredible. Straka should have, uh, should have, I mean, the, the first hole of the playoff, he hit that drive yeah. and he, he thought it was in the water. Yeah. He absolutely thought that ball was in the water and so did all of us. And it barely landed up. And then he comes back over there and does the same thing, but tugs it five yards farther left. I can't believe Zalatoris was like seriously considering trying to hit that ball off the rocks. Like I mean, uh, in the groove, there's on, no on. way that ball was going anywhere. We didn't the even water. cover that. That may go down as the best break of all time. It took nine hops on the rocks and did everything but bounce three inches right and stayed on the rocks, never went onto the grass, but made nine different bounces on the rocks and stayed up. Yeah, One of the most that, unbelievable breaks you've ever seen. How's that a good break, though? It didn't go in the water. I mean, yeah, he, he still was, ended up taking it. All right. Fair. Yeah, he was still in the penalty he area. So he still had to go back to the drop zone. But, yeah, I guess you're It right. almost he cost him because he almost hit that ball. If it went in the water, he's just yeah. going to the drop zone. All right. All right. You bring up terrible a lot take. of logic here, a lot of logic. <laughs> I just remember sitting there watching it and going, that is the most unreal thing I've ever seen, the fact that that ball stayed up. Um, it, you're right. It, it, did the bounces defied physics. The difference would be, did Straka hit it? Straka hit it in the water after. After. Well, he, he hit the exact same so, shot, but it just happened to bounce into the water. But I mean, and he knows that time, he's up 
knows that he's not in the water. So that could change. That could change. Yeah. If he thinks he can play the ball. Yeah. Well, that's where I think Straka Straka hit fast on a a couple occasions. I think during that playoff without understanding the strategy behind now you're playing match play. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's, it was good to see. I like Zal Torres. I've given him a lot of shit about his putting. Um, Believe it or not, I give a lot of people shit about things on this podcast that I generally like. I mean, hell, Roy's one of my favorite plays. I've given him shit about not winning a major. So um, I like Finau. I've given him shit about not winning, and now I, I can't say that anymore. Valator's putting stroke still sucks, uh, but he did get his win. So um, we do like Willie Z here. He's just, I, I, it's kind of entertaining. I sent you guys a video from this week of his putting stroke on a, he almost whiffed. It's different. I mean, yeah. that, anytime somebody, a, a player like that with that much, uh, that much talent and at that high level and you see them do something very odd, then people want to watch it. You know, that's kind of like, you know, going back to the, 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 the Dan Hicks and the, the, the commentators, it's like, Hey, these, this is different. People want to know what the hell's going on because they're, yeah. if that, if we don't talk about it, they're going to see it or read it on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, We can't ignore this. Yeah. So they might as well get it from us and then keep watching, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't blame them for pointing that out at all. It's not, you know, like you said, you know, Scott, you know, he, he should, if his putting stroke were better, they wouldn't talk about it. <laughs> I mean, it looks weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's, and he obviously from that short distance, he's not very good. So, you know, people want to watch it. I mean, I hate, it's sad to say that, but people want to, they'd like watching people do some incredible feats of athleticism, but they also like to see those incredible athletes do terrible feats of, you know, failure. Yeah. You know, they want to watch both. They want to watch the rise and the fall. And that's why Tiger has been so polarizing. I mean, the guy's like been Ultimate. to the pinnacle, then to the bottom, then the back to the pinnacle and back to the bottom. And it's like a big roller coaster for this guy. He, uh, people want to, people want to watch it. It's, it's entertaining. That's why people stop to watch car crashes and, you know, that's, <laughs> uh, so, all right, let's, let's get into the BMW. Um, this past, this weekend's past event. I actually had to watch, I was a little more into the USAM. We'll get to that in a, in a little bit. Um, so I was kind of flipping back and forth, and I, I watched some of the replay and, and, and caught some of it again today just to refresh my all my points. But, yeah, so Cantlay defends the BMW, even though it was at a different venue, Caves Valley last year, Wilmington Country Club this year. Um, course played great, I thought. It was firm and fast, and it was kind of U.S. Open setup, kind of narrow fairways, thick, rough. The fairways were rolling. Every time I hit someone, I saw someone hit a drive. I think the ball rolled 80 yards on the fairway. It was remarkable. Um, but yeah, Cantley gets it done. Solid, solid stretch coming down. A solid, solid play coming down the stretch. Excuse me. And to beat Scott Stallings, the PJ Tour wins again. Um, sort of a relative no-namer. It's one of the elite winning again. I did see a stat of how many of the top 20 in the world have won this year. It's pretty remarkable. It's been a lot of big names um, yeah. have won compared to previous years. And so, but yeah, the bunker shot, that fairway bunker shot he hit. First of all, wait, I got to go back. Sorry. I can't believe I skipped over the greatest bounce I've ever seen on 17. Oh, double, double hop over the bunkers. The double hop hits the down slope, skips over the bunker, hits another down slope and goes another 40 yards in the fairway. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you were talking about the how the not to jump backwards, but the course setup and how beautiful it looked. 
And I, I did, it did look great. The greens look great. It looked like your typical kind of, I know Delaware is a little south, but your typical Northeastern course with that Kentucky, you know, fescue, bluegrass fescue and bent fairways. I mean, it looked awesome, but the last three holes were pretty unremarkable. Yeah. I mean, to have I can agree, I agree with that. It was no, once they got through as fifth, which hole is the, the par three, the long par three, was it 15, 14, 15. Once it got past that hole, it was like driver wedge on th- or three wood wedge on like every hole coming in. True. And I'll now, give you that. Not, they, weren't, they weren't super wide fairways, but they're pretty nothing holes. No water, just three wood, three wood and a wedge on a, on 17 and driver wedge on 18. It was just, I don't know. Once, once they got past that 15th hole, I kind of lost interest because I was like, there's no way you know, there's going to be really any bogeys here unless something really crazy happens. So I don't know. I know they, they changed the routing up. That's not the same routing that the members play. So I don't know where the Why? actual, they, they do it really to get people around and get the players, yeah. you know, to the yeah. driving range from the driving range to the first tee easier. And, um, you know, where to put grandstands and that kind of stuff, all that stuff plays into it, but they did change the routing up and they have two golf courses there. So I'm not sure if it was any kind of composite or what, Nick the match could have been. Yeah, I didn't, but, I didn't see. So I, I don't know much about Wilmington Country Club um, to say, but I do know they they mess around with it. That's not how the members play the golf course. Let's just say yeah. that. But that well, Cantlay uh, fairway bunker shot on eighteen was pretty was pretty right. sporty. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um. Yeah, I mean, we I watched quite a bit of it actually. I was, I was, I was. Pulling for some of the younger guys, not younger, the lower lower guys, Scheffler and Shoffley, to kind of make a run, put some pressure on them. Um, but they didn't do it, obviously. But you know, Cantlay's just he he loves this time of the year. I mean, it's two years in a row he's really kind of turned it on, and he likes bent grass greens. Um, and so we'll see what he does when he gets down to East Lake. But the one guy that I I you know we talked about our you know players that we love. You were talking about Rory, but Adam Scott is like really moved up on the list for me. I don't know, especially when he's playing well. Maybe that's what it is. But when he's out there and he's striping it, and I'm like, this is like, it's almost as fun as watching Tiger when he was, you know, back in the heyday when he was just every shot. You're like, God, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah, that's so good. That's yeah, like, so good. Whatever the bourbon over, is over. that you're drinking, you should never drink again. <laughs> that was egregious. That was an aggressive take. Come on. What? What what tiger? You compare Adam Scott to Tiger? <laughs> tiger Woods. Swing. His golf swing. His golf swing's good. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Very good. No, just the fun of watching him swing. Not like him as a not like him as a player. <laughs> you got you gotta switch bourbon. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. Adam Scott doesn't do much for me he never has i don't know why i mean his golf swing is very pretty it's it's technically very sound i don't know i don't i don't dislike the guy i don't i like adam uh, scott i think he's great yeah he's fine i like watching him play golf he's kind of like scotty shuffler to me like yeah he's cool he's fun you know whatever yeah he swings better than scotty no i'm I'm just talking about like the entertainment value of watching him it's like okay yeah whatever yes i mean he's not he's not a multi-major winner. I'd just rather watch Adam Scott hit seven irons on a driving range. But like, that's what I'm saying. From an aesthetic standpoint, you watch him play golf. It's fun to watch a guy swing like that because it's so smooth. It's so rhythmic. It's in balance. Like, I mean, it's fun to watch. He's a classic guy. He never gets in any trouble. There's no drama. He just does his thing. 
plays good golf. I mean, I, I don't know. I respect him. You know, yeah, I think I, it's fun to watch. Absolutely, I can agree with that. Yeah, and he's he's gotten the the putting you know respectable again. He went through some some really rough years, and his game in general suffered for a while there. Um, well, he leaned into that long putter though, and it's it's starting to pay off for him. You mean he physically leans into it like he's anchoring it, or you could look at that however you want to, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that's up to you to interpret my friend uh no he doesn't he doesn't anchor he keeps no. it pretty far he keeps it pretty far away um but yeah i mean scott stallings tip his cap um huge huge jump guy hasn't won since 2014 i was almost kind of basically rooting for him towards the end because i'm like man that's one he's actually born in the same city i was born but um just like, whoa, that's a long, long time. I think they said there's 172 guys have won a PGA Tour event since the last time he has. I I was kind of rooting for him, too, just because I wanted to see the pot stirred. And if, if Straka could have won the first week and we won a Straka-Stallings playoffs, it would just I'd be all team four aces. Let's go. Oh, God. Oh, okay. sorry. That's the next episode. I'll hold off. Sorry. That's the next episode. Um, but, yeah, I mean, some guys, like Adam Scott, Scott Stallings, both guys that were um, pretty far outside the top 30. Had huge weeks to get in. Um, I forget. There was all kinds of... Because Adam Scott got up and down, it knocked... It got him in, and it knocked Shane Lowry out by, like, a couple points, which is remarkable because Shane had a great year. I can't believe he's not in the top 30. And Yeah, there's definitely a couple of guys that are in that I was a little surprised. Yeah, JT Poston, Tom Hoagie are in. I mean, I know those guys each had wins. Yeah. Play more events too. They, I don't yeah, know. they probably play more events. Yeah, JT Posey played played thirty five events. I think. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but and Sahith Agala had a remarkable um, finish to his round, his back nine to get in. Um, Corey Connors hit two of what on was it sixteen and eighteen? He hit both of them like inside a foot. Yeah, I was nothing. Th- I was flipping back and forth, and I thought they were showing a replay, and it was actually just no, it was just another shot. Um, so he birdied three of the last four to to get inside the number. So yeah, like some of that was pretty pretty entertaining to watch because it wasn't just about who wins, but who gets to East Lake because that means so much not only from the FedEx Cup bonus, but it gets him into every major. You know, um, so for a couple of those guys that you know Tagala and Scott Stallings, especially, they don't they don't have the world rankings to to fall back on to get into these or the past success to get into those majors. So that's always, always cool to see that they're both going to Augusta for the first time. So, um, Cam Smith WDs prior to the event doesn't play. Um, Zalatoris WDs during the round because of a hip injury. So that's interesting. Two of the, the top guys in the FedEx Cup have dropped down the standings now going into the Tour Championship, and we don't know what they're going to be like health-wise. The Cam Smith thing is weird. It's too coincidental. Yeah, it's I know. It's too coincidental. It's like, ah, I just I don't need to deal with this shit. He's like, I don't want to answer hmm. the questions this week. Yeah. It's certainly what it felt like. I mean, regardless of what happened, that's the perception. Oh, I, I mean, anytime anyone WDs now, it's like, oh, the guy's going to live. The guy's going to live. He's not playing this week. Well, He's going to live. They're going to announce seven players after the FedEx Cup. Yep. Um, Sorry, wrong episode. No, you're good. We'll we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, anything else on the BMW? Ultimate driving machine. Great vehicles. 
Okay. Well, I'm at the championship, not the car. We don't do free ads here. Oh, I didn't tell you we got a sponsorship. We all have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that what's yeah, in my We all have uh, yeah. X7s coming our way. <laughs> I mean, if the they're. Mail. It's in the mail. Trust me. If they're listening, um, BMW, we can work something out. Big BMW fans here at the Emergency Nine podcast. Yeah, Our logos look great together. What a co branding experience it would be yes. for you guys. God, what an opportunity. <laughs> Um, they're really dumb if they don't do it. Let's be honest, right? You know, what yeah. do they have? What do they I, have to lose? I totally agree. Maybe we should start with like BMW of Richmond. Like maybe maybe let's start there. <laughs> we'll work we can, our way up to global partnerships. Yeah. Maybe they'll give us a keychain or something. A license plate frame. Yeah, there we go. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna put on my Toyota Highlander. Yeah, it'll look great on the Highlander. That's what I was, I was gonna, gonna say. Two hundred ten thousand miles on it. <laughs> uh. All right, so uh, let's touch on the USN. Did you guys watch any of this this week? No? I didn't get to watch deer as much as I wanted to, but I I understand some great things happening. That's fine. I I always love watching the USAM. Um, I love watching the – like when they put the college national championships on and the USAM, and I wish they would put some more of that. I mean, this is a completely different topic, but I think the golf channel in general has – they cover too much golf because – they cover the European tour, the Corn Ferry tour, the Champions tour, the LPGA tour, the PGA tour. Can I would rather them get rid of the European tour and the Champions tour. Don't put that on. Put some more amateur golf. Put this these high-end amateur golf on. These kids are freaking good, and they're going to be the future. I don't need to see Colin Montgomery again. No offense. Um, Padraig Harrington just won over there on the Champions tour, if you're wondering. Congrats. Good for him. No one cares. The Dick Sporting Goods Open. Yeah, exactly. So the uh, USAM at Ridgewood, I was I watched a lot from the quarterfinals on the last three days. Sam Bennett wins, and I was just thoroughly entertained. I mean, I was not rooting for this kid one bit. He kind of annoyed me because his pace of play was just glacier slow. He would 12, 12 regrips and looks at the – but, man, this guy was cocky. Every comment he came out with, every time he'd win a match, they'd show him, He's like, yeah, I'm, you know, all these guys are good, but I'm the dog. I'm the man. Like, they're all oh. they're all really good, but I'm better. Now he's he's the number three ranked amateur in the world, which I'm sure that's obviously gone up. That was going into the event. Uh, I'm not sure if he's number one or number two or how that all works there. But and he did beat a murderer's row of opponents. I will say this. So his first round match, he played against a kid that was ranked 13th in the world rankings. Beat him. Second match. He played against a guy that was 27th in the world rankings. Beat him. He then beat the 10th, 9th, and 8th guys in the world rankings in the next three matches. His average opponent ranking was like 13.4 for the five Mm. matches going into the finals. And then beats Ben Carr, who goes to Georgia and Southern. Um, He was like the 70th ranked player in the world. And the kid has some vicious Tiger Woods-like club twirls. It's remarkable. He was just so cocky, feeling himself. He had this like weird goatee thing. And when I watched the post-round interview, I could have swore I was going to hear the Ricky Bobby. Like, I don't know what there is. I wait, I'm a I'm a lean, mean winning machine. I wake up and I piss excellence. Like, I was expecting that. Like, the Ricky Bobby quote. I'm like, this guy is just going to quote Ricky Bobby here. Um, like, I'm the best there ever is. You know, like. I'm the best was, there ever was. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was, it was really entertaining. 
I will say this: Ben Carr was five down um, on like the twenty fifth, sixth hole, somewhere like that, and got it back down to one down, got it to eighteen, and made it just a terrible, terrible course management decision. Uh, Sam Bennett pumps one out of bounds on a par five, drops, hits another one, and for some reason, Ben Carr keeps his three wood or hybrid in his hand, doesn't lay up, and he puts his ball out of bounds. They end up having the hole with bogeys. I'm like yelling at the TV, like, dude, put the wood away. Put the wood away. Hit an iron. Lay up. Guarantee yourself a par. Like, this guy's scrambling just to make a bogey. Like, what are you doing? And he pumped his into the trees out of bounds on the same hole. And he had, oh, by the way, he had Willie Wilcox caddying for him, too, all week. I noticed that. Yeah. Um, I was like, Willie, would you pull this guy away from the golf ball? Would you tell him he's got the wrong club in his hand? You're PJ Tour tell player. this guy he can lay up. Yeah. <laughs> a tin cup. Exactly. Uh, it was anyway. So tip of the cap to Sam, a hell of a, of a run. Um, yeah. Oh, but, Sam's a, a great, it's event. a great event. Such I a love historic it. event and a quick shout out to Walker Isley made it to the round of 32 UNC Wilmington player. I actually used to be an assistant for uh, his father, Steve Isley down in uh, Oak Island, North Carolina. Really great guys. Great, uh, great golfing family. Steve played at NC state for uh, coach Sykes and uh, his son is an absolute stud at UNCW. So look forward to seeing what, uh, what he ends up doing and where, where his career blossoms into. Oh, another great quote too. So, in the um, quarterfinals, a guy named Dylan Minetti, who's from California, played at Pepperdine, like two-time All-American, won the national championship as a team at Pepperdine, decided to just leave the team and transfer to UNC. He's known as like unbelievably fast player. Mm-hmm. And they interview him. He was going to play the winner, Sam Bennett and Stu Hagestad, who is the kind of famous uh, mid-am. Mid-am, Who's yeah. 30-something years old and competes with these guys. Played that like match, four masters. Yeah, exactly. That match was still going on. And they asked Dylan there about it. And he goes, I don't know. I don't care. He goes, I'm a fast player. I'm going to get slow played by either one of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And then they would show him. He'd be like leaning on his club, like waiting for Sam to hit in the semifinals. Like, like, all right, hurry up, dude. Let's fucking go. Let's go hit the ball. Um. Anyway, so if you need to catch that, try to find a replay. It was all all pretty, pretty entertaining. So again, USAM is, is good stuff. And you're going to see and hear a lot of these guys that I had just mentioned uh, at some point. They're the, the future of the game. As long as they don't go to live, which they had a live, had a player, um, Sam Ben took down a live player, David, David Pooge. Yeah. I think it's Pooge is how they, or Puig, or I don't know how they pronounce it, but he was um, definitely not Pooge. Uh, he got taken down by Sam Bennett. I heard a different pronunciation of it on the telecast. I was a little thrown off. But you decided to lean into it. I did lean into that one. Yeah. Pooj. Oh, I like that. He's forever. He will be known it's, as Pooj from sounds, here on out. It sounds classier than Puig. Uh, <laughs> sounds like you're calling like a mutt. And like, Come here, Pooj. Come here, boy. Come on in, old Poojie. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> Uh, oh man! Y'all met my shelter puppy. He's awesome. <laughs> Fuck. Nothing against shelter puppies. I got two of them. There you go. Don't talk about your kids like that. <laughs> All right. So let's get into our picks. We got the tour championship this week. 30 golfers. 
plan for $18 million in a net event. The um, pretty much exactly. $18 million to the winner of the FedEx Cup this year. Only $7 million less than a normal live golf event. This is the tour championship, you say? The biggest event this, of the year? This is $18 million to one player, though. They don't give $25 million to one player. That's the purse. I thought you were saying that that was the purse of uh, the tour championship. I was like, I thought. No, no, no. That's what the winner gets is 18 million. Including the FedEx cup money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The FedEx cup. Yeah. Correct. Payout. Yeah. Yeah, I'll shut the fuck up. It's all good. Okay. Go ahead. Proceed. So Scotty Scheffler holds on to his, um, his lead. He starts at 10 under another crazy thing, which I don't like. And we can get to this. Um, Xander three putted 18 because Xander three putted 18 Cantlay was second in the FedEx cup points and and Scheffler was first, which to have one player negatively affect another player essentially by four strokes is I don't like. So instead of Cantley having a two stroke lead, he has a, he's a two stroke deficit going into the tour championship because Xander Shoffley three putted. I don't like this playoff format. I'm going to start there. What I want them 100% to do, agree. what I want them to do. So here's the thing. The PGA tour doesn't have a, it's not a true playoff, right? Cause in every other sport you go back to zero, you could, you could be the best team in the league and get upset in the first round, right? It, what you did in the regular season just got you to the playoff and now it's wiped clean. They're not doing that. They're trying to reward the guys that played the best all year. Um, and then trying to make some goofy thing happen here, you know, at the end of the year with this weird format, because if they just went down to zero, I mean, Seb Straka and Scott Stallings would be way up in the rankings and they don't really want that. Right. They don't want that guy who gets in, has one good week and is at the high, high part of the rate. So what I suggest is to kind of play both sides of the fence a little bit is, you know, so next year they're going to 70 in the first round, 50, in the second round, and then 30 for the tour championship. Reward the guys for their season-long efforts until the tour championship, and then start them at scratch, but in match play. With 30 guys, the top two the top two guys get a bye. The other 28 guys go in, and it's just match play. Straight up match play, you lose, you're gone. I don't. I don't love that. That's fine. I I don't dislike it. <laughs> I don't. Dislike I don't it think, I think the, the they won't do it because the TV ratings will be bad. It'll be just like every other match play event that we've had. If the, if the top guys I, don't make it to the end or are competing at the end, then people don't watch it. And there's only. I two also agree with Jay entirely. Yeah, you're probably right. It probably won't happen because of TV. But, but I would love it if it if it were if they could somehow make it where everyone was playing, uh, you know, more, I guess, I don't know, maybe do matches like a big pool play and you get one, you know, four finalists or something like that. So it's, it's more golf and more, uh, more pool play, more guys playing in the, four, the, the, yeah, four. The, the final four. And then you play one day. It's like morning match, afternoon match, you know, that, that I could see would, I, would be pretty cool. I think you just end up taking it to where, um, the tour championship is the only double points event. You pay out your FedEx cup earnings after the tour championship uh, to where those last 30 guys. So you could see a couple of big moves. If some of the top guys don't play well, you still have the option to see some drama from that aspect, which I think is actually better from the consumer. But 
it doesn't necessarily handicap the field, which is where I think all of us have anyone that has any sort of experience in competition golf. All of us see that as a poor, a poor format. Yeah. And they're just trying to get away. They, for some reason, they haven't liked it in the past years when somebody won the tour championship, but somebody else won the FedEx cup, right? They, they feel like, you know, to win the FedEx cup, you have to win the last event. And so, which is fine. If you're going to do that, then just start everyone at zero. Like, sorry, Scotty Scheffler and Tom Hoagie. You've all had a great year. You've made it. You're the top 30 guys in the PGA tour. You're all starting at scratch. Have a good week. You want to win this thing? Have a good week, you know, or, but, but or, they don't, they want to reward the whole season in, in this week. Yeah. I think if you do it strictly like based off of any other, you know, playoff format, what if they, some, if they were somehow, don't wait, don't uh, give any weight to any one of these tournaments, just make it, you know, if the, the first event is one twenty-five. And you got to finish in the top 70. Just, hey, everyone in the top 70, you get through, you get X amount of money. And then I know that that's not a real thing because that, well, that, that eliminates the I think whole that it kind point. of essentially happens, though, doesn't that? I mean, with based it off the, the, the Fed, everyone, everyone's got to, if you make it to the playoffs, 125, at least this year, next year will be 70. You're getting some piece of that FedEx Cup bonus. Yeah, sure. Well, I think I'm, that's I'm where I'm trying to think of a way to where it, if one person wins the tournament, it's just so hard because you're, you're like, if I win the tournament, I should get more points. I should advance further than the next guy. But in the, like, if we're looking at it with the other playoff format, it's always one-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-one. But in the first couple of events, it's 125 versus 120, you know, 124 versus 124, you know, whatever it is. So it, it's not, they're not quite, we're not comparing apples to apples. So correct. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So it's it, this whole format is just tough. And I don't, I don't, my opinion, like you said earlier, Mike is just, let's just get rid of the strokes. It, if you do all these things correctly and it gets you to the tour championship, you all have a chance to win. And then everyone's a clean slate. I, I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. I mean, I think some people are like, or some players are saying, well, I just won, you know, the first playoff event. I finished second in the other one. I should have some type of an advantage on them. Like, you know what? No, you just want a bunch of money. Um, that's great. There's your advantage. But in terms of winning the next event, Hey, you, this is what you did to qualify. You did a great job. You got compensated from, from a money stand or monetary standpoint. Now you've qualified for the tour championship. It's a clean slate. Yeah. Well, I heard- you, you could almost go in and pay them in tears, you know, say the top, the, uh, 30 through 20, 30 through 21, everyone gets 500,000. 20 through 11, everyone gets 750,000 and then whatever for the last 10, you could do a million dollar, whatever, whatever it's broken down as that way to where that that's what you get for making it to the tour championship. And then you play a limited field, no cut event for an elevated purse. Well, we'll get to that in the next episode too, but um, yeah, I don't know. So it's just weird. I'm not sure anyone likes it. I haven't really, I don't know if the, I haven't heard much from the comments of the players. I haven't paid attention in the last couple of years when they started doing this. I think they all find it odd, but I don't know. I don't know what the right thing is to do in this kind of thing. Cause golf is so different than other sports. So it's hard really? to compare. Like you said, um, I don't know, but anyways, let's go to our picks. Who you guys got this week? It's it's again, it, it makes DraftKings hard because of where they start is going to affect you know, how they finish and how many points they're going to get based off of their finish. So um, who wants I to go really first? Like my, I really like my squad this week, but I'll tell you, I like them often and lose often. 
<laughs> so I'm just going to start right at the bottom. Uh, Mr. JT Poston guy's been on a tear recently. Uh, I'm looking for him to go down there and uh, play well in Georgia. If I'm not mistaken, he's a sea Island guy. Any Jay? Uh, I, I think he's there now. Yeah. yeah I think he's a sea yeah. Island guy. So there's a little bit of a Georgia tie there, which leads me into my next pick, uh, which someone are going to say, he's not long enough to play that golf course, but I did pick Mr. Brian Harmon. A guy who I guarantee has a ton of rounds in at East Lake based off of his proximity playing at the University of Georgia, uh, which I know is not in Atlanta, but at the same time in Athens, not terribly far away. There's been enough tournament golf in his career uh, played in and around that area. And he's from Savannah. So a lot of his um, golf tournaments he grew up playing with, uh, playing in, I guarantee ended up in that area. He's, he's got some rounds logged is all I'm saying. He's played it once in 2017. He finished 24th, but. Like you said, I think I he's think, probably. Uh, yeah, I think he's played the golf course a ton more than that. Not yeah, necessarily in the tour championship. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily in the tour championship. I just think he's he's familiar with that golf course. Yeah. Uh, and he plays golf in that area well, which we all know you're going to see a lot of Bermuda grass. Uh, you're going to see some trees. It's just a very going to be a very familiar setting for a guy like that. And he's a bulldog. He's an absolute yeah. bulldog. I guess with the Georgia connection you could say that i don't i didn't even mean that when i said it but he's a he guy that, he's a grinder he's a grinder he was a no pun intended nah. <laughs> uh moving on uh stupid value pick 7800 jordan spieth mm. I, I mean you got to look at him and know that he's someone who can win any week he just there he's been there often enough he's got enough experience the guy's playing well he can be there any week i don't really care where he's ranked um he's been in good form this year I, I could easily see him breaking through and uh winning a uh a tour championship did he win there before when he won this fedex cup i can't remember i think he did i think he did too i i, I think he did as soon as i said that i'm like you fucking idiot <laughs> great research uh moving up to his buddy my favorite guy uh 9400 mr justin thomas wow jay's buddy love that guy uh I got He's one I got controversial cam at 10,400. Uh he's coming back from a bullshit injury. I think he's going to play well. Go ahead and cash in for his last PJ Tour check. And then on top of that, one of the hottest guys on the planet right now, Mr. Rory McIlroy at 10,800. So, to go back over that again, McIlroy, Thomas, Speeth, Smith, Poston and Harmon. That's good. That's good. So you don't have um. So Rory and Cam Smith are starting at four under. JT's mm-hmm. at three under, seven back of the lead. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, Jay, you want to go? You want me to go? Yeah, I'll do it. Um, I've, we've got some similar players there, so I'll just start from the bottom. Uh, Six thousand KH Lee. He's priced right. He just played well. See if he can ride it, ride uh, ride the hot wave here. Um, Sixty six hundred, uh, probably one of the best swingers on tour outside of Tiger Woods. I'll say it again. <laughs> Adam Adam Scott is one of the sweetest swings that has ever been. Um, but he's at sixty six hundred. He's playing he's playing good golf right now. Back to back top fives. It sounds like he's got something figured out. So. Uh, I think for that price point, I know he's 
it's tough for him to win when he's that far back, but he can certainly make a bunch of birdies and play well and, uh, and still accumulate some points. Um, then I jump up to Max Homa. This is kind of a weird, a weird pick, but, um, you know, overall he hasn't been playing terribly. He's never played, um, East Lake. Um, so actually the more I look at this pick, I, I think I should probably switch it, <laughs> but he's still in my lineup and cause he's priced right. And I'm going to keep him. Um, then I jump up, up the list here. Uh, McLean mentioned Justin Thomas. I'm going to give him oh, a shot. Wow. I'm not super excited about this. Expert. But, pick. Uh, I, I do think he's going to play well. He knows that course he's, he's won there. Um, so I, I mean, he's going to play well. Uh, and then, and then I, I move up to somebody that I do actually like to watch uh, is Rory McIlroy at 10,008. Again, it's hard to count this guy out. As soon as you think he's he's playing terribly, he obviously bounces back like last week um, after missing the cut and then finishing the eighth. So it's hard hard to uh, count that guy out. Um, lastly, I jumped over my boy, Mr. Tony Finau, at 9,600. Big tone. I, I think he's going to play well again this yeah. week too. So All right. There you go. I like it. Um, I went with a different strategy here. I needed some, I wanted some horses. So that means I had to go towards the bottom of the basement. Um, 5,400. I think this guy is very undervalued, under talked about, underrated. Aaron Wise has had mm-hmm. just a great, great year, just solid, steady. Um, I like his game, ball striker on this golf course. Uh, so I got uh, Aaron Wise, 5,400. I go up to uh, KH Lee, Jay, like yourself, 6,000. Been playing well. Um, that's about it. That's all I got on him. Uh, then I go <laughs> up to um, Max Homa. First time at the Tour Championship. I just think he's a steady, solid player. He hits it well. Because I want to hear your take on. Yeah, I just think he's 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 steady, solid. He's starting at two under. Um which I liked. He was a little, a little lesser value than a couple of the guys like Hideki Matsuyama and Spieth. And those guys were, were at the same two under, but had a higher dollar value. So yeah. um, I don't think he's going to win the tournament, but I can definitely see him, you know, he's starting, I can't, what's he starting 21st or something roughly, you know, I, I can see him getting into sneaking into the top 10 here. Yeah. Um, then I go up to another ball striker on this golf course, Corey Connors coming off a great week, riding high. Um, He's starting at one under. I like him at $8,000. Then I go up. I got two guys in the top five, starting at five under 9,900. Sam Burns has been playing well. I can see him. He's going to be the guy. He's not going to win this tournament, but he's going to win the low gross portion of this tournament. Um, you know, he, I just saw the stat pop up this past week. He is uh, the longest run of, uh, you know, uh, being ranked in the top 10 of the FedEx Cup points, 40 weeks. Yeah, uh, I think it was a good ten or twelve weeks ahead of the next next player. So I mean, I mean he's been an, a top ten player in terms of the FedEx Cup rankings all year. All year. I mean that. I mean he's been playing some really really some, good it's consistent golf, golf. and uh, won a couple times. I think he's going to play great. Like I said, I think just because he's starting at five under five back, I'm not sure he we wins the whole thing, but I can see him finishing runner up in a heartbeat. And then yeah. I have the winner who I think is going to win it all. Uh, Thirteen thousand, Patrick Cantlay. 
Um, I, I, the way I looked at this for this week and the way the scoring is, I was like, I need to get one of the top three guys, fit them into my, to my monies. Um, I think that's how you, you're going to do well this week is you got to have the winner really in any, any DraftKings league, you need to have the winner. It helps a lot. And so, um, kind of banking on having the lower guys, but I, I think Cantley gets it done. He's going to go back to back on the FedEx cup. He's going to go back to back weeks. He's going to win the same two events. He won last year. I think Jay, you, when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you had picked him to win the whole thing. Um, yeah. I mean, here we are, here we are. So, um, yeah, I think he gets it done. I got, he doesn't do a bunch for me just as, as a you know, rooting interest. Cause he's just doesn't say a whole lot. He doesn't do a whole lot. Yeah. He's, you know, pretty dry, pretty but, dry. I mean, but he's a he's a if you from what every interview that he's done once you kind of crack that shell with him and start talking I mean he's got a lot he'll start going and he'll yeah he's a very thoughtful very thoughtful yeah. guy and he can get going in these press conferences and and give you some great answers to these um these questions he gets asked from the reporters but like on the course he doesn't say a peep he does, other than sticking no. his tongue out um on some shots that's like all he does so yeah but I mean just listen to his last other than. He didn't play well at St. Jude. He had uh, finished 57th. Um, but the BMW, obviously, he won. Rocket Mortgage, second. The Open Championship, eighth. The Scottish Open, fourth. The Travelers, 13th. The U.S. Open, 14th. The Memorial, third. You know, the two things that Memphis and Atlanta have in common that none of those other facilities do? What's that? Bermuda grass. True. He didn't grow up on that Bermuda grass. He's not used to playing on that surface. I think that... that, that okay plays against him in that. And sure. I, I don't mean that in a totally negative sure. standpoint, like yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying no, I yeah. think for Patrick, that's one thing that uh, you could certainly look at to say that, Hey, he hasn't grown up on that. And as we know, if you have, it's very different. If you haven't, you play bent all your grass, you played, uh, you know, even on like some past Palom or something in LA, he could have played in uh, or yeah. played on. I, I think that. He did win it last Sheffler, year. Sheffler to me is the bigger, um, threat out of those two because I think this is going to be a similar venue that Scheffler's used to seeing golf courses like this his entire life. Um, I just couldn't afford to get him on my team. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I've got some guys down a little bit low, but I think my I think with Justin Jordan and uh, Rory, these guys could go out shoot something low. Sure, yeah, absolutely, and put themselves in the mix. And I think I think if Scheffler plays well, it's over. Um, I think Cantlay. I, I just I don't know. I don't. For whatever reason, I think his game relies on not relies, but he's he's an incredible putter of the golf ball. And when he wins, you just watch putts roll in nonstop, end over end. It's unbelievable. I don't think this surface is going to be as true as what he's used to. Yeah, I think so. My thing against Scheffler is he hasn't been as quite as good as he was in the spring and early part of the summer. Yes, he just had a great he just had a great week at at BMW, um, but his game hasn't been as consistent. He was getting really frustrated with himself at the FedEx St. Jude. So I'm not sure he's in as good of a place, um, you know, with his game. He can scrape it around just fine, especially when you're starting at 10 under <laughs> uh, and, and get a two-shot lead to start the tournament. But I don't know. I think he just gets it done again. Yeah, no that's a good place to start. So Good work if you can get it. Um, all right. Anything else, guys, on on-course topics from the last couple of weeks? No, I think the next episode is going to be longer. Um, I hope not. I'm going to need a uh, refill my drink and a bathroom break. And um, to all of our listeners, we appreciate it. Thank you. Um, like I said, in a couple of days, you'll be getting another episode from us uh, about some of the off course topics in the world of golf.
So thanks for tuning in as always. And we appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers, boys. Cheers.